Hey, how's it going? I'm your host, Gerhard Zou, and you're listening to Ship It, a podcast about getting your best ideas into the world and seeing what happens. We talk about code, ops, infrastructure, and the people that make it happen. Yes, we focus on the people because everything else is an implementation detail. The last time that I spoke with Dan and Jared about Crossplane was in Changelog episode 375. Many things changed since then. For example, the concept of compositions, abstractions, and using Crossplane to build platforms were mostly ideas. The project matured a lot since 2019, and it is now an easy choice, some would say the best choice, for platform teams to declare what infrastructure means to them and how it composes. You can now use Crossplane to define your infrastructure abstractions across multiple vendors, including AWS, GCP, and Equinix Metal. But can you imagine a marketplace for production-grade infrastructure abstractions? Yes, we can. I can also see Crossplane being part of the next iteration of the changelog.com setup. Dan and Jared have some excellent ideas. Big thanks to our partners Fastly, LaunchDarkly, and Linode. Our bandwidth is provided by Fastly. Learn more at fastly.com. Get your feature flags powered by launchdarkly.com. And we love Linode. They keep it fast and simple. Check them out at linode.com forward slash changelog. What's up, shippers? This episode is brought to you by our friends at Fly. Fly lets you deploy your apps and databases close to your users in minutes. You can run your Ruby, Go, Node, Dino, Python, or Elixir app and databases all over the world. No ops required. Fly's vision is that all apps should run close to their users. They have generous free tiers for most services, so you can easily prove to yourself and your team that the Fly platform has everything you need to run your app globally. Learn more at fly.io slash changelog and check out the speed run in their excellent docs. Again, fly.io slash changelog or check the show notes for links. We are going to ship in three, two, one. This is another KubeCon 2019 follow-up. And that was episode in changelog 375 when we talked with Dan and Jared about Crossplane. Uh, this is about two years ago, end of 2019. But Marcus was here as well. So Jared, where is Marcus? Marcus is actually still within the Crossplane ecosystem, which is actually pretty awesome. Equinix, uh, your bare metal fighter and, and uh, acquired packet as well, too. Mm-hmm. So he's over there and still contributing to Crossplane a lot. So we don't miss him too much because we still get to see him. <laughs> Should we have added to, to this invite? Was it my fault for not adding him? I think it was, right? Marcus, it's my fault. <laughs> we, we, we definitely miss him on this episode here, but uh, you could probably get him on a, a podcast that's more focused on uh, what Equinix is doing as well, too, specifically. Okay. It's great to know that I'm not the only one thinking that. That was like my follow-up thought. That's great. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So many things happened since 2019. 2020 was a very interesting year from so many perspectives, but let's just think about cross-plane. So I'd like to focus on that and we'll explain why. Dan, do you remember which Crossplane version was out in November 2019, just before KubeCon? Let's see how good is your memory. That is a hard question, and my memory must not be that good. I would guess somewhere around 0.10, but uh, that could be way off. Jared, what do you remember? Yeah, I think, Dan, you're probably pretty accurate there. It was either like 0.8, 9, or 10 or so, and definitely not 1.0 yet. I know that for sure. So before I checked, the only thing that I knew was pre 1.0. That's the only thing that I remembered. Because I checked, I know that it was 0.5.0. You just cut that a few days before KubeCon. That early? Yep, that early. So what version are we on now? Just so that listeners have a point of reference. We're now on 1.3. So, and we have an official support policy as well for maintaining older branches. So Mm. our active branches right now are 1.1, 1.2, and 1.3. I love that. And we'll come back to that later. But I still want to continue with this like train of thought, 0.5.0 and 1.3.0. I did a GitHub compare to see how many commits there have been 
between 0.5.0 and the latest tag? Do you want to guess how many? Oh, I would say over a thousand, probably. Jared, what do you think? I'm going to go like 1300 is my guess. Dan, do you want to readjust or are you happy with over a thousand? That's a bit generic. I'll, I'll go with 1299. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 1838 across 24 contributors. That's a lot of changes, right? So a lot of changes have happened since November 2019. Now, I would have loved to see how many lines have been deleted and added, but I couldn't because the, the compare was just too big and I couldn't see that. Now, if we take a step back from the specific changes and contributors and versions, what do you remember changing about Crossplane in the last two years? There's, I mean, a big part of the experience has actually changed as well, too. I mean, that's that's something I tell people a lot when I'm talking about somewhat of the history and the evolution of the Crossplane project, is that it took us a good while to land on the final experience here around compositions and building your own platforms and abstractions. And that was not in 0.5. We had a earlier, maybe some hints towards that with doing something that was more tightly modeled after storage classes uh, in upstream mm -hmm. Kubernetes. But uh, now we have the ability to define your own compositions and abstractions that are much more flexible and much more powerful. That's the, one of the biggest things experience-wise that's, that's changed over the past uh, year and a half since we talked. So before we go into what are compositions and abstractions, Dan, what is Crossplane? So Crossplane is a way for infrastructure platform teams to build their own platform. And a lot of folks come to it, and it's interesting that we talk about, you know, this 0.5 release to 1.3, because I think in a lot of ways, the experience now kind of uh, reflects the maturation of the project as well. So a lot of folks come to Crossplane because they want to provision infrastructure using the Kubernetes API, the API they're already familiar with for deploying their workloads. And as they grow in their adoption of the project, they start to move into these higher level concepts. Uh, Jared already mentioned composition. We also have a concept of, of different types of packages and extension mechanisms. Uh, and as they move through it, they kind of start to evolve from just deploying things on Kubernetes to actually building a platform for others to consume and deploy. And we really like to give you that experience of building a platform right off the bat. So if you go to the documentation, for example, you create something generic, a database, and you can select whether that's provisioned on AWS or GCP or Azure or anywhere else you'd like. And you can also select uh, different configurations that can match that database type. You may want a VPC with your database. You may want to connect it to an existing one. So we try to give you that up front, but a lot of folks still come in and you know provision their infrastructure and then grow into building a platform mm -hmm. uh, on top of that. So are the abstractions in your description uh, a database? Will that be an abstraction? And then the implementation would be specifically to a provider or is that how that works? Yep, it could absolutely be specific to a provider. And you know, if you're across different clouds or you're across on-prem and on the cloud, uh, those could be different implementations, uh, but also different combinations of resources. So for any single kind of abstract type or, or composite type, you can have any number of managed resources, which are the granular things that actually represent uh, external APIs, like an RDS instance or a VPC. You can combine any number of those to satisfy the abstract type. So it may be, you know, the, the actual destination for, for where the, the underlying requests are being made, or it may be the configuration uh, of the different resources that, that make up that abstract type. That makes sense. And the composition, it comes, as you explained, like these things being composable and then having, do you have stacks or what do you refer to those compositions like as a whole? Do they have a name? So the general mechanism is referred to as composition, uh, which is also an API type in our schema. Uh, I think mm -hmm. the closest thing to be what you're describing right now uh, is configuration packages. This is a way to basically say, this is a abstract type definition. This is the schema for it. This is a set of compositions that can satisfy this. And this is the dependencies it has on providers, which are other type of package. The providers are things like provider AWS, provider GCP, provider Helm. 
And that configuration package, when you install it into your cluster, it's going to bring along those dependencies in the form of providers. And it's also going to bring along those abstractions. And you can also uh, declare dependencies on other configurations. So what we really like to see people doing, what we do see really mature cross-plane users doing is composing compositions inside of each other, right? So if you describe an abstract type like a database, you may make that into a higher level type called an app that may provision, you know, a, a VM in a database or something like that. So you can kind of nest these and, and build them together, which gives you really powerful building blocks for constructing a platform. And to add on to that too, uh, if I can, something, so getting back to what I was saying about how the experience has changed drastically in CrossPane over the past year and a half, something that's that's quite relevant here is that earlier on in the earlier versions of our experience we're building, we as a project were defining what the abstractions are, like a MySQL abstraction, a Postgres abstraction, a Kubernetes cluster abstraction. And we quickly found that, you know, that's going to lead to a one size does not fit all type of scenario. And we learned that the community really wants to define their own abstractions. So they have complete autonomy and they're empowered to define, you know, what is the shape of the API that's important to them? And what does MySQL even mean to them? Because one size does not fit all and you don't want a lowest common denominator problem. So enabling a lot of flexibility to define exactly what these higher level abstractions mean to your organization, to your business, to your scenarios and needs uh, was a huge part of upgrading and making the uh, experience in Crossbane a lot more powerful. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I really like the way you think about this. So love it. However, there's another element which I feel is very important to this flexibility. How do you discover all those abstractions? Is there a central place that you go to just to see them? How do people share these abstractions amongst themselves? Yeah, good question. And so there's a couple different ways to do that. And Dan has done a lot of work on this. So, you know, you can jump in on that and, and add more, Dan, definitely. So we can share these abstractions. We can package them up and share them in any OCI compliant registry. So they have that sort of reuse and, uh, you know, the ability to make themselves available to a broader audience through any, any sort of registry. We at Upbound are building a registry that has a lot of those rich discoverability and search and, you know, sharing type of features into it that can make it, you know, with the semantic understanding of these cross-plane packages to make it more easy to find them and share them and reuse them, et cetera. But at the end of the day, they're packaged into just an OCI, you know, an image, a regular old image. Uh, and so they can be shared and reused fairly easily with any, any registry. I think you mentioned discoverability there, which is really important. So it's great to share them, but how will users discover them? And how will users understand how this, for example, abstraction combines with something else? Like how do you link them together? How do they like a tree-like structure or some sort of some sort of relationships? When you said, Jared, that you built this experience, where? How? Yeah, this experience is being built in our Upbound Cloud service that we're building. You know, our startup Upbound, uh, you know, they're creators of the Crossbane project, and we're building a SaaS product and a whole experience and enterprise-focused experience around Crossplane. And so, since we have a complete understanding and of you know, what is the package structure, what are the contents, what does it mean to be a Crossplane composite resource and configuration, and all that domain-specific knowledge, we're able to build a rich experience with discoverability and you know, sharing and all those types of things in our Upbound Cloud service on Upbound.io. That makes perfect sense. Anything to add, Dan, to that? Yeah, well, I really like that Jared pointed out that any OCI compliant registry can host cross-plane packages. So that makes them extremely portable. And that becomes really important when you're an organization that has potentially really high security concerns or, you know, only run in an on-prem setting or something like that. OCI compliant registries have become ubiquitous in the industry, kind of alongside the rise of Kubernetes. And the ability for folks to be able to build their private images and push them to their private registries is definitely a big win. But I know you mentioned uh, kind of this notion of a graph, which I think is a really big part of kind of the untapped potential of the cross-plane community uh, and kind of a marketplace around that. So I mentioned before that those configuration packages can declare dependencies and you can kind of infinitely compose those. What happens is when you install a configuration, it is going to resolve all dependencies in there. Crossplane will do that for you. I mean, it actually generates kind of a manifest uh, that says these are the list of packages and these are the relationships between them. And it can mm -hmm. go through and actually resolve to the correct version of them. So when you create a dependency in a configuration package, you say something like, I need provider AWS and it needs to be greater than v0.18. 
Uh, and Crossplane will make sure that provider AWS is present in your cluster like that. And if you have two configuration packages with a common parent, it can go through and resolve that there will be no conflicts. Um, and so we actually generate a directed acyclic graph uh, for all the packages that are installed, which gives you that powerful ability, right, to create a reproducible platform where you get to the point where if you just install that parent node, that top level node in your DAG, then you're actually able to reproduce your platform in any Kubernetes cluster where Crossplane is installed. That answers so many of the questions which I didn't ask, but think about. So thank you, Dan. That's perfect. There's one more question which I'm thinking about because I know that we answer the what fairly well, like what it is, how it works. We went into that to a fair bit, but I don't think we answer the most important question. And this one, I think it's perfect for Jared. Why crossplane? Why is it important? Why does it matter? Yeah, great question. Uh, and you know, I think there's kind of maybe two different uh, branches of thought there to perhaps explore. So the first one is that some of us that created the Crossplane project, we also created the Rook project as well too. And your Rook is uh, storage orchestration for Kubernetes. Uh, and so we found there that in the early days of persistent storage for Kubernetes, you know, the story needed to evolve a little bit there before people started to become more comfortable with running storage or you know data persistence sort of things inside the cluster. So we found there that the, some of the work that the uh, special interest group for storage and Kubernetes had done was really, really strong. Persistent volume claims, storage classes, things like that. And we found very early on that applying those same patterns for being able to dynamically provision storage would also work very well for other types of infrastructure platform resources, such as databases and buckets and even clusters themselves. And so that was the original why of Crossplane is, hey, we've done great things in Kubernetes for storage. Let's do more infrastructure resources inside of Kubernetes and bring them into being managed and provisioned and controlled by the control plane itself. And then beyond that, we found that there's a very strong story too for businesses that are starting to have their own shared services, infrastructure platform teams as well too. They have a responsibility to provision infrastructure and you know get new services up and running for a whole set of application teams around them. And so being able to have some reproducibility, being able to uh, enable self-service for their application teams is a really strong story to be able to make their jobs easier and for the application teams to be able to get to production faster and have you know reliable infrastructure and you know normalizing on a standard set of practices for the whole organization. It just makes the software delivery story that it has a huge dependency on infrastructure all the more strong. So I can see how this why is captured really well in the cloud control plane, which is the abbreviation or like the short explanation for what crossplane is. Uh, but the why, I think it goes deeper into why you would want to use it. Why is it important? And I really like this idea in that you, I think this is my perspective. You take the best bits of Kubernetes and specifically the API, that unified API, the resources, and you make that available or actually, no, you, you make infrastructure available via that very simple API, and you bring all the cloud providers. I say all, that's like always a work in progress. There can always be more, but that's like a growing ecosystem. And thinking about infrastructure as just an API request to your Kubernetes, that's really, really powerful. So Dan, why is Crossplane important to you? So I think I have a bit of a unique perspective on this. As someone who's a younger individual in the industry, I like to say that I kind of grew up in the Heroku generation and that it was always really accessible for me to be able to get access to hardware, right? And folks kind of in my generation, I had this familiarity with, you know, AWS and even these higher level things like Heroku and other services where you just said, I'd like a database or run my app or something like that. One of the things that, you know, when I was experimenting with those different services, I noticed really quickly is you always were operating at someone else's defined level of abstraction, right? So AWS, you can think of as being pretty granular and you have to understand a lot of moving parts to be able to use it effectively, right? So you have to understand a lot about networking to use almost every service on AWS. You have to maybe understand a little bit about how Postgres works or MySQL works to, to use RDS. On Heroku, kind of at the other end of the spectrum, you get a database and you don't really get to tune it to your liking or anything like that. 
And so my kind of interpretation of Crossplane, when I first saw it open sourced, uh, I believe at KubeCon Seattle in, in 2018, I was finishing up my schooling and I recognized it as something that was going to really revolutionize uh, the way that organizations uh, were able to provide a platform like that. Because if I, as an individual college student, was feeling the pain of these different services, you can only imagine what a large enterprise organization was feeling. And so the ability to actually take that and build your own platform, but also use other people's platform. We've talked already about this marketplace, right? I envision a future and I think uh, others do as well where you go and you get the bits of the infrastructure stack that you don't care about, you get those from other companies. They might publish them, individuals might publish them, just like we consume libraries from GitHub or something like that. And you're able to say, I wanna take these off the shelf bits and then sprinkle in my own kind of personalized touch. And then you get an infrastructure platform that's tailored to your needs, but also doesn't require a lot of effort for you to build out, which definitely sounds like a, a magical experience to me. What's up, shippers? This episode is brought to you by Sentry. You already know working code means happy customers, and that's exactly why teams choose Sentry. From error tracking to performance monitoring, Sentry helps teams see what actually matters, resolve problems quicker, and learn continuously about their applications from the front end to the back end. Over a million developers and 70,000 organizations already ship better software faster with Sentry. That includes us. And guess what? You can too. Ship it listeners new to Sentry get the team plan for free for three months. Use the code SHIPIT when you sign up. Head to Sentry.io and use the code SHIPIT. about discovering all the things that made sense for other people, they packaged, they put out there. Jared, you mentioned about the cross-plane cloud, where I imagine that some of this exists, people can discover it, people can get started. I also imagine that some of these building blocks you curate yourselves and you make available to the community. Do you need to, I imagine, create an account with GitHub? I haven't tried it. I definitely do want to try it, maybe right after we finish recording this. But what I'm trying to understand is how much do you get like when you get started in terms of like the experience? What is the experience that you get to begin with? And at what point do you need to say, okay, I like it. I'm serious about this. I want to start paying for cross-plane cloud. What is that onboarding and what does that early experience look like, Jared? Yeah, I think that since this has been an open source project for over two years now, you know, we've always been strongly believing in investing in the community as well, too. So, you know, we had to first build this experience and iterate on it to get to where we are today. But through that process, we've gotten some great adoption and we've gotten folks that are heavily invested in the project themselves as well, too. And so with the core of Crossplane, the open source upstream addition there, you can do a whole lot of this. The core functionality is all there. So you can provision infrastructure in any cloud provider or on-premises. You can package your own abstractions and define your own platform and push those to a registry to share with other people. So the core of the value proposition is there in the upstream project. I think that you know when you start getting to enterprise scenarios and you want to get maybe some more visibility and a richer experience around the core concepts, then that's when you can start getting more involved with what we're building in Upbound Cloud as well too. So for instance, if you want to manage a bunch of different cross-plane instances, or you've got multiple of them, maybe one for each team or one for each environment, Having some uh, functionality to be able to manage the teams around that and the permissions and you know auditing and all that sort of stuff starts becoming important. And then I think there's a whole bunch of really great experiences you can build that provide insight and observability and debugability and all that sort of stuff into Crossplane as well too, with uh, you know a rich browser to see all of your infrastructure that's being managed. What are the relationships between them? I think that uh, things like that, you know, insight and observability, manageability of the platform start becoming quite interesting as well too, which is sort of some the experience we're building in Upbound Cloud also. I think that makes a lot of sense because once you reach a certain scale, then you start having problems that you just want to pay someone else to, to handle, right? Because that's not the value that you're adding. And it, that makes perfect sense. 
but I'm wondering more around that discoverability feature. So for example, do I need to define my own abstraction to get started? And sure, I will, but what can I use out of the box quickly to understand how this fits together? How can I discover what's out there before I grow and before I am bought into Crossplane? What does that look like? Yeah, let me take a quick step at that one too. So I think there's a couple different depths that you can start diving into. One is the open source upstream crossplane.io docs are very, very useful. We have a getting started guide that kind of introduces you into what is a composition, what is a composite resource, how do you connect a crossplane to your cloud providers to start provisioning infrastructure, and walks you through a very simple scenario where you're creating an abstraction around a database and providing that to your application team so that they can self-service and get their database so that's a great place to get started. And I think that anybody that walks through that getting started guide on crossplane.io, the docs there, mm-hmm. is going to start understanding the concepts and start being productive there. To go another step further, something else that we've done in the open source is we've created a set of reference platforms. So these are higher level abstractions that start trying to show what are some scenarios, what are some use cases, what are some things you can accomplish that go a little bit deeper than just the you know hello world, welcome, getting started type of guide. And so we have a handful of them. Some of them are around creating clusters and data services in the different cloud providers, like in AWS or GCP. And then we've got one for how do you create a multi-cloud Kubernetes? How do you create an abstraction around Kubernetes and be able to provision in the cloud of your choice and provide you know, a set of services you know, inside of that cluster for your applications and your workloads to consume? And then I did one in a recent talk as well, too, for a cloud native. So we've created a cloud native uh, reference platform as well, too, that composes together a lot of different projects within in the CNCF ecosystem and shows some of the more modern approaches, such as using GitOps and uh, you know having observability and service mesh and all sorts of things inside of your application cluster as well too. So those those reference platforms are a big help to take you from a getting started to oh this is what I can do at a higher level and some of the more complicated scenarios that I can solve. So we try to kind of take you through a little spectrum of your journey with Crossplane. I really like everything that you've said so far, especially the reference architectures. And I would really appreciate having some of the links. And this is why. In 2022, for the changelog.com setup, I see Crossplane being part of it. So I would like to have less make files, have less commands to run locally, and more having this control cluster, the seed cluster, whatever, cluster zero, that then sets up all the other clusters, and it composes the entire changelog.com infrastructure. So that's one of my goals for 2022. And I think that Crossplane is at a point where it can enable that relatively easily. But I see some components missing. And this is where Dan will guide me through what does those steps look like. So for our Kubernetes provider, it's a managed Kubernetes, we're using Linode. So the first thing that we need to do is somehow to provision Kubernetes clusters in Linode. I imagine there would need to be a Linode provider, which I don't know whether it exists yet, but it definitely didn't exist when I last checked Crossplane about a year ago. That would be the first thing. The other thing, and this is more of a nice to have, is integrations with Fastly, the CDN. There are certain configurations that would need to happen. And I know that this is not the IaaS that we were talking about, like AWS, GCP, Azure. This is a CDN, but I see Crossplane fitting there really, really well, like declaring our CDN as a Crossplane resource because it's all part of the changelog.com stack. And success in my eyes is being able to define the entire changelog setup in these Crossplane abstractions. So how does that sound to you, Dan? And what are we missing that I don't know yet? So that sounds like a perfect use case. And I will admit that I listened to the 2021 infrastructure for changelog.com episode. And you kind of enumerated that in the past, uh, I think it was six months before that, you had kind of said, we're moving to Kubernetes to do this. And folks had said, you're running a, you know, Nginx server, a Phoenix web app, and a MySQL database or a Postgres database, I believe you said. And you got a little bit of pushback on moving to Kubernetes because folks said, you don't have a microservice architecture. Why are you doing that? And I love how in that episode you went through and said, 
well, you know, there's all of these kind of hidden dependencies that we have. I believe you mentioned certificates, CDN, CICD, monitoring, all of those things. And as someone who's worked on cross-plane for a significant period of time now, that was really music to my ears. So getting to your specific question, I do know that there is a provider Linode that is very early on, but does exist and I believe is, is usable. So that's one side of it. Getting to things like CDN, that's absolutely in scope for cross-plane. So you mentioned, you know, that's a little different from other infrastructure as a service. Well, we have providers for all types of things. And in that that cloud native platform that Jared was just mentioning, it makes use of a, a really important provider that I want to bring up and, and also a newer provider that, that just landed uh, that I think would be useful. Uh, the first one is Provider Helm. So what Jared's talking about is provisioning Kubernetes clusters and then provisioning Helm charts into them, but that being a single package, right? So you create your changelog.com instance as a Kubernetes object. Behind the scenes, that spins up a Kubernetes cluster. Maybe it installs Linkerd into it. I know y'all had some, some issues with measuring latency on some requests. It puts your Phoenix app in there, Nginx, whatever else you need. It also spins up your your managed Postgres instance on your cloud provider of choice. Unless if I, I know you mentioned that y'all might want to continue running that in cluster, but as you alluded to, mm-hmm. and many folks like Kelsey Hightower have said, that's definitely something that we would encourage you to look into managed offerings for. So you can include that all in a single package. And just recently, one of my my coworkers, Jared and I's coworkers at Upbound and a contributor to the Crossplane project who's worked on a lot of Provider Helm, just created a new provider called Provider Kubernetes. So if you don't want to use Helm as your abstraction, you can actually now create Kubernetes objects directly into both the cluster that Crossplane is running in, as well as any tenant clusters you spin up. So I think altogether, we're going to have a lot of pieces for exactly what you want to do. And something that would be really exciting to me is, you know, y'all might create a, a template or a configuration package for deploying a Phoenix web app. And someone else might come along and see that in the registry and say, hmm, I also have a Phoenix web app with these components. Let me just put in the other bits I need to be able to provision my website. And you can share that and, mm-hmm. you know, it can be uh, verified and, and go through our conformance testing and that sort of thing and be available to others. So I think you're on the exact right track uh, with the direction you're going. That's amazing. I knew that our journeys would meet at some point. I think they were getting very, very close to that point where we start walking together in a way. I'm very excited about discovering what it looks like. I'm imagining that your documentation has all the examples I need. I know exactly who to reach out to if I get stuck. So that's great. And I know that all of this happens in the open. So everybody will benefit from this and be visible to everybody that wants to see how this is done. I'm also wondering, this is like another component which I would like to introduce in our stack, which I feel will solve a lot of the runs on my computer sort of thing, doesn't work on Jared's computer. I mean, different Jared's, Jared Santo from Changelog. And uh, I'm wondering, what is the relationship between Crossplane and Argo CD when it comes to deploying apps and keeping configuration in sync. Absolutely. So I'm really glad you brought that up because a ton of Crossplane users uh, we're seeing are using Argo CD. And that's definitely something as both in the Crossplane ecosystem and Upbound Cloud uh, that we're definitely in support of. So typically, you know, when folks are using Argo CD, a lot of times with any sufficiently sized architecture, they'll move to this app of apps model, right? So you kind of have your initial app, uh, which tells where to get your other Helm charts from or whatever you're using to deploy. And so a big thing that can be enhanced is now alongside your applications, the infrastructure is defined in the same repo. I know you mentioned you like mono repos, so uh, we can definitely give you that experience. And you can start, you know, using GitOps to provision your database or using GitOps to provision your CDN or something like that. And it's tied to your deployment of your application, right? And so you're moving from these nice packaging mechanisms for workloads to a nice packaging mechanism for an application. And because there's a standardized on the Kubernetes API. That means if you're running cross-plane on your Linode Kubernetes service, then Argo CD can target that. If you're running a hosted control plane on Upbound Cloud, where we actually run cross-plane for you on our own infrastructure, then you can target that with Argo CD because we give you cube control access to that cluster. So there are definitely a lot of benefits through going through this GitOps approach. We certainly encourage that kind of outlook. What would you recommend, Jared? Would you recommend that we set up a Kubernetes cluster where we run cross-plane and that controls everything else? Or would you recommend that we use Upbound Cloud? 
Yeah, I think it depends on what you're going for, I think. You know, I think that the model in Upbound Cloud works really well if you want to have a single centralized control plane that's going to be managing a lot of other Mm -hmm. control planes in other places. So it becomes kind of a central point of managing all of your infrastructure. And you can spin up new clusters, workload clusters, and deploy applications and services into them. And so I think that that's a really good model for Upbound Cloud is having a centralized point there. I think it's a perfectly relevant model as well, too. If you're running one cluster or you know you want to have it on premises, then you can run a cross-plane instance yourself there and you know have all the workloads, all the applications, all the services within one single place as well, too, is a perfectly fine model for that. One thing that we started doing as well, too, is that we actually have released a distribution of cross-plane that helps you, you know, run cross-plane on-premises, even if you're not going to run the hosted cross-plane instance inside of Upbound Cloud, you can still connect it to Upbound Cloud and get all those observability and manageability features as well, too, even if you're running everything on-premises and having all your workloads in a single place that, you're, you know, is under your control. One of the biggest reasons why I think I would want us to use Upbound Cloud is because the most important thing that controls everything else is a managed service. So if there's an issue with Kubernetes, well, we don't know about that. Actually, we don't even care how you run that managed cross-plane service. All we care about is that it's always available. If there's a problem, you'll fix it. And we will always know that the thing which manages everything else is healthy. I think that's a very big value proposition. And we're not asking you to manage our entire infrastructure because you don't even know what it is. It keeps changing, so on and so forth. So I really like this decoupling. But what I do expect to happen is whatever manages everything else, you take care of it because you know it inside out. And to me, that is like, yes, please sign me up. That's what I'm thinking. Would you disagree, Dan? Absolutely. And one of the things that I think is a really important distinction here from other ways to provision infrastructure. So you have your your kind of legacy click ops, if you will, where you go mm-hmm. into the console and, and you create it. Hang on. No, hang on. This is too good. Please say that one more time. This is so good. <laughs> this is the first time I hear that. And I love that. <laughs> I think others need to take notice. Like we can't just like skim over it. This is too good. <laughs> Please say that one more time. <laughs> I definitely can't take credit for the term, but but the term is click ops, where you go in and, and provision your infrastructure by clicking around in the console. I don't know who to attribute for that, but it's certainly not myself. But hopefully that's not what most organizations are doing. But, you know, kind of the next evolution of that with things like Terraform or Pulumi or, or infrastructure as code tools, right? And those are really great because you can version that config that you run to go ahead and provision your infrastructure. And that's an awesome model. One of the things that could be nice about that, right, is that you don't have a service that you have to worry about to provision that infrastructure. You run it from your local machine. The drawback of that is that if you're not actively running something, then that infrastructure is free to change or be modified. And that's especially a big deal in an organization where you have lots of people provisioning and modifying infrastructure and things like that. So having that hosted control plane, as you're saying, you can allow someone like like Upbound to, to host that for you. And then you also don't have to worry about your infrastructure getting out of sync because as soon as it is, you can get alert for it. As soon as you know something goes down, we can bring it back up for you according to how you would like that behavior to be reflected. So I think you're spot on with both the fact that uh, having that hosted kind of central point of provisioning infrastructure is really important, but also just having something that's constantly evaluating your infrastructure is a big gain over what most organizations are doing. I mean, even if we're not a big team, right? I mean, ChangeLog, it's a fairly small team, like three, four people. And uh, some of us are spending very little time, like myself included, very little time on the actual infrastructure side. And I think people miss this. Now, we wouldn't want this knowledge to be stored in a wiki or captured in some docs or even captured in some code. We would want this to be automated so that you don't need to know much once you encode what you want to happen. And as long as the control plane is a managed service, which is very important, then things will just keep being applied and everything will be healthy on the management side. Now, if there is a problem in the integration with the providers, well, that's a separate problem. That will happen regardless. But at least you don't need to be an expert in SRE, an expert in ops to run this thing. It just runs itself, literally. And that's the dream, right? You're you're literally automating yourself out of the job. And I think that's the best possible approach to this kind of thing, right? If you automate it all, it just takes care of itself. How amazing is that? 
Yeah, and I think that something you said there, Garrett, is, is actually kind of interesting as well, too, of, you know, a lot of folks say, you know, automating yourself out of a job. But in reality, what you're doing is you're automating yourself into an ability to handle more important problems, right? There's so many services and components and things that underneath the stack that people are building and delivering applications today. It's not really reasonable to know every single thing and worry about every single component as well, too. So the ability to automate and to offload some of that into managed services or, you know, well-founded processes around automation as well, too, is really nice to be able to free you up to be able to worry about more things that are important and, I guess, recording other episodes of Awesome Podcasts as well, too, in your case there. It's scary how well I could anticipate that. I was expecting one of you two to say what you've just said, Jared, and it's scary that I could anticipate that. It's like, wow, you're blowing my mind right now because you're right. Like, what about rather than doing some tedious ops work, SRE work, what about trying new services out? What about trying to level everybody else up? What about helping the industry grow? Uh, how amazing would that be? What about trying things out and helping those things improve, such as crossplane? Now, isn't that a much more interesting proposition than configuring load balances and figuring out why your Nginx config is wrong? I mean, that's what I want to see and that's what I want to promote. So. Thank you, Jared, for preparing everything so nicely for that mental picture. We're not automating yourself out of a job, but you're automating yourself out of tedious tasks, which they get old. I mean, if you've been doing this for like 10, 20 years, sure, things change slightly, but it's more or less the same thing. We're proposing a new model. Crossplane is proposing a new model, and that's what gets me most excited about it. Yeah, and you could see the same exact thing Kubernetes did for applications, right? Of, you know, being able to, instead of dealing with running services on a particular VM or making sure they're up and running with system D, system CTO, whatever, being able to run those completely across an entire fleet of VMs and have machines and have redundancy and consistency and just everything working overall and being able to self-heal and have all that reliance uh, over time is, is such a nice model. And like continuing to do that at other areas of the stack in a broader scope as well, too, is is, I think, just a really good way to keep going with all this. SignalWire is real-time video tech to help you create interactive video experiences previously not possible. It gives you access to broadcast quality, ultra low latency video that's proven and trusted by Amazon, Ring Doorbell, Zoom, and others. See why the future of video communication is being built on SignalWire. They have easy to deploy APIs, SDKs for the most popular programming languages, and expert support from the OGs of software-defined telecom tech. Try it today at SignalWire.com and use code SHIPIT for $25 in developer credit. Just visit SignalWire.com that's signalwire.com and use code ship it to receive that 25 bucks. Once again, signalwire.com, code ship it. Is there anything else that I should keep in mind as I explore this cross-plane integration, Dan? I would really appreciate if you keep in mind the pain points. There's a lot of really powerful technology in cross-plane, especially around designing compositions, packaging configurations, but the experience is still a little bit painful in my approximation. Right now, to design your schemas for your abstract types, you actually have to write an open API v3 schema in YAML and, and push that, which obviously that's much lighter lift than doing something like, you know, writing an application and writing some logic and, and that sort of thing. That being said, that's an experience that we really want to improve both in the crossplane community and uh, you know on the upbound cloud side as a product. I and mean, we've definitely started to invest in some of those areas, particularly around you know editor support, being able to do things in the browser. We recently had a hack week at Upbound where we worked on some of those things and, and made some big strides. But we definitely appreciate feedback from folks like yourself who, you know, have that knowledge of what they want the experience to be. Um, because for us, you know, this is a product we use ourselves uh, within Upbound to, you know, manage our infrastructure and that sort of thing. That being said, right, it's a bit of a small sample size within our own organization. So all types of input we get, whether it's folks coming in Slack, folks opening issues, 
jumping on calls with us or doing a podcast episode with us, those all help us make the product better. And the great thing that you've alluded to, you know, multiple times now is it's all open source, right? So if you want it to be different, you can come along and make it better as well. And I think we've developed a really strong community around that for new folks to come in and empower them to be able to add the features to Crossplane that they want or work with us to add them as well. You're ticking all my boxes right now. It's scary, like literally, <laughs> like Slack, how to give feedback, GitHub, the experience, the focus. I'm hearing all the right things. It's scary how excited this makes me. So I have to dial it down a bit because it's just like, again, you're ticking all my boxes. So, okay, that's good to know. So how does this sound to you, Jared? If we wanted to use more than just Kubernetes to run our changelog app in, I'm thinking multi-cloud. If we wanted, for example, to try out Fly.io and render.com and Kubernetes on Linode, what would that look like in Crossplane? Is it even possible? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I am not super familiar myself with at least Fly, a little bit with Render. But I think something that's really important to remember here is that the machinery and you know framework in Crossplane is all there such that you know the support for lots of infrastructure that already exists, providers uh, for all sorts of in-cloud, on-premises sort of things, those all exist. But anything that has an API can be managed by Crossplane. So we have you know a extension mechanism for anybody to write providers that can have a lot of coverage of a lot of different places. And with that base layer of, hey, here's a simple provider, you can almost think of it as a driver for a Crossplane, for a Crossplane to talk to some set of infrastructure or some set of services services, being able to write a provider for that then gives you the ability to plug it into the rest of your infrastructure, compose them together, you know, have a consistent model for all of your infrastructure applications and services. So it's really nice to be able to uh, extend Crossplane through anything or to anything mm -hmm. that has an API. And we, there's a lot of examples around that. And a lot of community people are building interesting things that we didn't expect as well either. So for instance, the providers you expect in Crossplane to manage cloud resources like GCP and Azure, et cetera, those are all there. But then we've also gotten some community ones to manage things like uh, GitHub and GitLab to be able to manage repos and teams, et cetera, in, in those places. And then one for like SQL to be able to create users or tables or things as well too. So really, literally anything that has an API can be incorporated into Crossplane. And so giving you the ability to then start stitching and managing everything together with a very simple, normalized, consistent interface. This reminds me a lot of how Terraform used to work and how we used to use Terraform for many of these things, like Manage DNS, for example. We used to have that integration. What is the comparison between Terraform and Crossplane, if any? Yeah, I think that's a question that we get a lot. And and I know even on the Crossplane blog, we have some posts about, you know, what are the differences between them? So, you know, we've already talked about a few of them here, one of them being that active reconciliation. That's kind of the obvious one, you know, the difference between a control plane and an infrastructure as code tool. So we see that as a really big benefit, you know, getting down into maybe some more specific details. And this may not be super applicable to changelog, for instance, because you all have a small number of folks uh, in your company, but you know, you may grow in the future. But one of the big parts that we think is really important about the cross-plane composition model compared to other infrastructure tooling broadly is this concept of bringing the level of permissioning to the level of abstraction. So if I break that down a little bit, when you use something like Terraform, you can create modules, right, and compose them into higher level concepts to where you as the person actually executing and requesting infrastructure, you don't have to understand all of the underlying bits. That being said, whether you're executing on your local machine or you have some sort of jump box that you log into uh, that has the proper credentials, whatever gets rendered out at the end of that pipeline when all the modules are resolved and the conditionals are evaluated, you need to have those permissions or the system you're using needs to have permissions to actually create those resources mm -hmm. on AWS or on Linode or uh, wherever you're actually provisioning that infrastructure. And that's fine if you as an infrastructure admin are going to have those credentials anyway, if you're the only person doing it. However, when you move to a platform approach, what you want to be saying is I'm giving you the ability to create the abstract type and I define the policy and mapping behind that. I'm never giving you permission to create the granular resource. And that abstraction that you create is going to be long lived, right? So 
one of the big aspects of composition, kind of getting into more of the technical implementation, is there's two flavors of every abstract type that you create, which you can optionally disable one of them. But there's a cluster scoped uh, version, a Kubernetes cluster scoped resource, and then a namespace scoped resource. So you as a, a developer requesting infrastructure for your application would likely create something at the namespace scope. And you can have R back around that to say, you know, this developer in this team can create a database in this namespace. And then mm -hmm. you control the mapping as an infrastructure admin to how that actually gets rendered out. And the provider controller that actually provisions the infrastructure is what is given the credentials, right, to create that. So you're never giving the app developer in their namespace you know, credentials to even talk to AWS, you're giving them credentials to basically be able to provision what you've defined as an abstraction, which may go to AWS, may go to Linode, may go to your on-prem infrastructure. But that isolation is really important and persisting that isolation, that database object continuing to exist in their namespace is a really important distinction from other infrastructure systems, which we believe as you scale and as you grow and as more and more folks are provisioning infrastructure using Crossplane, that becomes even more important. And, you know, from an upbound cloud perspective, we're giving you services around managing your credentials and getting a, a view into your global infrastructure picture, being able to have a view of that graph, right, of the relationship of requesting infrastructure and what actually gets rendered out and what credentials are being used. And when you give someone the ability to create a database in their namespace, what does that mean in terms of their ability to create something on Linode? Those are all really important things that we think sets Crossplane apart from other infrastructure tooling systems. That is a great answer. Thank you very much for that. That's, I'm sure this is something which I'll be referring back to. So I love having this recorded because I'm sure like as I gain more experience with Crossplane, this will become more and more relevant and even necessary to go beyond like the getting started part. You mentioned, I think either Dan or Jared, I can't remember exactly who, but you mentioned about the hack week that you recently had at Upbound. And I'm wondering, Jared, what other things came out of that hack week that you were excited about? Yeah, really good question. You know, the Hack Week was something I was super pumped about. So I'm, you know, kind of more involved with engineering leadership these days than hands-on keyboard technically focused. So that was something that for the team, I was super excited to make happen. So that the, the whole guiding principle there was that people were going to be focusing on what was important to them. You know, what's something that either something they had been dreaming of or something maybe it was a big pain point for them as well, too. So just making themselves more productive or collaborating with new teammates as well, too. I think in Hack Week, there's a lot of different ways you can take it. And uh, it's really up to the individuals participating in it to get what they want out of it. So for instance, some other things that came out of it, uh, you know, Dan had mentioned the provider Kubernetes had come out of it. So a brand new provider was one thing that came out of it. The ability to monitor and get metrics from on-premises instances of Crossplanes and being able to surface those up is something that came out of a Hack Week project. Some developer tooling around the way we build our client browser side apps as well too, our front-end apps, some strong developer tooling to get designers integrated more into the process and being able to designers to change different uh, you know, UI values and styling of an app and have that shipped to production as well too was something that came out of it. And then also developer tooling for uh, being able to have remote debuggability for uh, clusters as well too was something that came out of it. So it's just a whole spectrum of things, people working together, some things in you know, open source, some things for upbound, but a lot of people making progress and people get really inspired mm -hmm. when they get to work on something that's you know, very important to them internally as well too. So that was something, it was just a really cool experience. I love the sound of that. I'm wondering, is there a blog post or something public that people can go to and see these specific tools? Oh, we just wrapped up the Hack Week just recently. So we had made a couple of, made a little bit of noise on social media about it and Twitter and stuff like that. And we did at the end of the week, we did a demo session where we're kind of live tweeting uh, information about it. So on Twitter, there's a little bit of information, but I think we're going to do a write-up uh, to have a blog post about it coming up soon as well too for on Upbound's blog. I would love to get that. So maybe by the time this episode goes live, I would love to have a link to put it in the show notes so that others can see because there's a lot of cool stuff. One thing which I haven't heard, and maybe I'm getting confused as to whether this came out of the hack week or not, it's the case container registry. Dan, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so case container registry uh, was a, a project. It's about a month old at this point. And for folks that aren't familiar, Crossplane, we, we've already said, right, uses OCI images for its packages. And it actually doesn't go through the Kubernetes node to be able to pull that. So, you know, 
on an individual Kubernetes node, you have a container runtime, which basically facilitates pulling images from various registries. And that's how you, you know, get an image to run a pod or a deployment or something like that. Crossplane, our packages are very small. Our OCI images are very small because they actually just contain kind of a, a stream of YAML in them. So we actually go directly from Crossplane to the registry and we pull that in. We have our own cache for those packages that are just stored in a volume and you can actually use whatever backing storage you want for that. So one of the things that I saw as a pain point when people were developing new packages was that they were having to build their package and push it to a registry and then install it declaratively into Crossplane. And this is a good model, and it's definitely really useful when you're consuming packages from elsewhere. But if you're just trying to get a fast development loop, you definitely don't want to be pushing your package to a registry just to use it, you know, in your local kind cluster or something like that. So what Kate's container registry does is uh, it actually utilizes the Kubernetes API server itself to push images through its proxy functionality. So behind the scenes, the Kubernetes API server is just a REST API, right? And one of the endpoints for pods is the proxy endpoint. So Kate's CR basically is just a CLI tool, which will pull an image from, you know, your local Docker daemon or a tarball that you have on your local system. And it will push it to a registry running in your Kubernetes cluster through the API server. So you don't have to actually expose your pod. You don't have to create a service or a load balancer or anything like that. As long as you have cube control access and you have RBAC to hit that proxy endpoint, you can actually just push straight into your Kubernetes cluster which means that something like Crossplane uh, that needs a registry has one running right beside it. So we've shown things where like Crossplane is running and has a, a sidecar container, which is a OCI compliant registry. And importantly, a lot of this functionality was very easy to build because there's a library that we depend on in Crossplane that a lot of folks are big fans of, I think at this point called Go Container Registry. And this gives you kind of the low level bits of how you actually construct an image. And we've continued to kind of evolve our usage of that package and actually kind of alluding to that hack week, uh, myself and my coworker, Michael, we worked on a way to actually build OCI images in your browser. Since we're just putting YAML in them, you can imagine putting an editor in a web page that you receive and using actually Rust and WebAssembly, uh, we're actually able to build and push an image from inside your browser itself. So lots of fun stuff around that and lots of stuff that, you know, will help the developer loop, maybe not be used in most production settings, but getting folks to the point where they can have a package that's consumable and really useful to them as an organization as quickly as possible, definitely a goal for us. So what I've heard is pushing container images, OCIs straight into Kubernetes with no container registry, no external container registry, just using the kubectl, uh, just using kubectl, however you call it, the Kubernetes API. That sounds amazing. I love that. And I have 10 follow-up questions, especially around the WebAssembly and the web browser, but we're running out of time. So the only way we can solve this is by having a follow-up, which we'll talk about next. But for now, just to wrap this up nicely, this is the last thing which I'm thinking about. If someone was to take away one thing, say if one of the listeners was to take away one thing from our conversation, what would that be, Jared? I think that one of the biggest things here for me is that folks that want, they're starting to buy in to Kubernetes and really getting understanding and seeing the power of a control plane type of approach for many of their applications that, hey, you could do that for your infrastructure as well, too. And we have a super welcoming community that, you know, loves to talk about these things, support people, get more people involved as well, too. So we've been watching the community continue to grow and people you know, the community helping itself and building contributions for themselves as well, too. So more the more the merrier in that party. So if you want to manage infrastructure in Kubernetes, uh, come to crossband.io and join the community. That sounds amazing to me. What about you, Dan? What would you want people as a listener to take away from this discussion? I would say that my ask for folks is to think a little bigger with their infrastructure. And what I mean by that is envision a future that seems impossible right now. So, you know, a lot of folks think, well, this kind of like pie in the sky vision of being able to just consume these infrastructure packages uh, and build them into higher level abstractions and then have my own control plane, have my own version of Heroku seems kind of far-fetched and likely feels like it would be super hard. There is a lot of tooling in place to be able to do that today in Crossplane and folks going and exercising that and saying, 
this is not quite there, this part is great, uh, is going to help us make that more of a reality. So if that's something that sounds of interest to you, which I imagine for most folks it would be, please come and try it out. It's free to try all these things. They're all open source and see what you can build. And you know, maybe you'll build the, the infrastructure package that large companies start to depend on and That'll be useful for you for both, you know, managing your infrastructure, but also maybe getting some stars on your GitHub as well. This was too much fun. It was very difficult to contain myself and not be more excited. Thank you very much for this lovely conversation. See you next time. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Absolutely. That's it for this episode of Ship It. Thank you for tuning in. We have a bunch of podcasts for developers at Changelog that you should check out. Subscribe to the master feed at changelog.com forward slash master to get everything we ship. I want to personally invite you to join your fellow Changeloggers at changelog.com forward slash community. It's free to join and stay. Leaving, on the other hand, will cost you some happiness credits. Come hang with us in Slack. There are no imposters. Everyone is welcome. Huge thanks again to our partners, Fastly, LaunchDarkly, and Minode. Also, thanks to Breakmaster Cylinder for making all our awesome beats. That's it for this week. See you next week. Thank you.